Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. I have to admit, I normally don't pray uh, outside walking on uh, plus 15s, but as we do this sermon, I want to pray. Here's the prayer. God, it's cold. God, warm us. Amen. So here, Ann and I are uh, downtown at a plus 15. This is the one near the city hall, as you can see. I uh, did a little bit of research this week and discovered that there are, uh, in 1969 was the first uh, plus 15. For Andrea, who's going to be new to our church, she's going to go, what's a plus 15? Andrea, this is a plus 15. There are 86 bridges in our city that get us across streets when it's on, uh, not, the weather's not very good. Not only that, there's 16 kilometers, 16 kilometers of plus 15s in our city. The whole idea is to keep people warm when it gets a little bit bitter and cold, like today. It is negative 39 here today. And as you can see outside, it is gray. uh, It is icy. It is a storm. And uh, we're so glad that this is here. So when I was thinking about this term, I was thinking, let's go where people keep warm when they're downtown. These storm things, uh, uh, protectors are so great. And in, you know, we're all aware we're, we're living in storms, right? I mean, we are in storm central. Uh, you, can, you can try to take your dog out to a dog park, but the dog puts their feet up and they try to walk on three legs or the dar- dogs look at each other as their owners try to dress them up in all kinds of funky outfits and the dogs are rather embarrassed. Not even the dogs wanna go outside. But here we are downtown, and we are here amidst the storms. Now, obviously, the storms literally of uh, what BC's experienced this past year of plus 40 degrees Celsius fires in the winter and negative 40 degrees in the winter, and then the, the floods and the fires all across our country and around the world. Climate change is real, and we're in that storm. We are certainly in that storm. We're also, as you know, I don't know what your Christmas was like, but every day I heard of another person that has COVID, as the Omicron virus moves around, everybody knows somebody who has COVID right now. It is spreading and the hospitals are deeply concerned about the next couple of weeks. Another wave, I can't believe we're in this still, another wave in 2022. And then there's been people I've talked to, the storms of uh, the storms in their household as they have their kids home to teach them school. like. Talk about thunder and lightning in households as they try to do their jobs and take care of their kids or the worry about do they go back to school or not? Should they? Shouldn't they? Or the sadness storm for those who are going online at university again this year. The storms are huge. Of course, the storms of people's relationships, different opinions on how to move through this storm of COVID or different understandings of vaccines and what's right and wrong and how the best way to move forward is. The conflict in families over the past holiday was really real. There's a storm just about at every corner. And we're living in what I call corporate grief right now. We're living in this time where we're all experiencing grief of some kind, a loss of a loved one, loss of work, loss of identity, loss of opportunity. And all of these losses are building up. Literally last week, we uh, heard about the death of Desmond Tutu, you know, one of the icon prophetic preachers uh, against the anti-apartheid movement and against uh, climate change and trying to have people wake up to the sacredness of life. He was such a great prophet because he was powerful, 
with a sense of humor. And if it wasn't that person who died, it was, you know, you heard about Betty White. I mean, here she is, the icon living at 99 to 99 years, her innocent sense of humor in television up till her 90th birthday. It's amazing uh, how, what an impact she had on so many people. And so these losses are very, very real. The storms have been everywhere. The storms uh, in the corporate life, 30% of these buildings downtown are empty. You know it. I don't need to depress you anymore. We're living in storms and there are storms and we're not through the storm. As I was thinking about the, uh, the, this, this, this idea around storms, I was thinking about the passage in Mark's gospel. Y'all know it. You've seen it in stained glass windows. The story of the stilling of the storm, it's called. Story is uh, from the Bible that uh, Jesus is going with his uh, disciples to the other side. They get out on the water. Suddenly the waves come up and they start to come over the edge. Uh, They look for Jesus. Where is he? And they go to the back of the boat. There he is sleeping, dozing. They wake him up and they say, don't you care that we're about to perish? Jesus wipes the sleep out of his eyes and gets up, looks around, puts up his hand and says, enough. Be still. Be calm. And the storm subsides. Then Jesus, the text says, berates them, says, didn't you have enough faith? Did you not trust we get through this storm? Come on. And then the passage ends. This, This story was told so that people would say to themselves, who is this? That even the storm subside when he calls them to be still. You know, the stilling of the storm story is an ancient story. And I read a great article. It was really interesting to see it come across the internet this week. It was, it was called, Jesus isn't going to calm the storms of your life. Did you hear me? Jesus is not going to calm the storms in your life. It was this article on what's called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics for theologians or biblical scholars is to understand the art and the science of interpretation. That's what it means to be in hermeneutics, to try to interpret the meaning and the context of the scripture. And in this article, uh, the writer was saying, you know, we often interpret this passage as though Jesus is going to be the savior, quote unquote. Jesus is going to be the lifeguard. Jesus is going to be the soother for us in our storms. But that completely misses the context of why this story was written. The story wasn't written to say Jesus is going to calm the storms in your life. It's written to say this is who Jesus is. The whole of the gospel is talking about who is Jesus? What's he like? What does he look like? What does he do? What matters to him? And so this story is about that kind of telling. Someone told me a great line this past week. I I love it. It stuck out. It said, God doesn't, God protects us from nothing. God protects us from nothing and is present in everything. God protects us from nothing what is present in everything. I think that's what this biblical ta- text is about. Jesus uh, isn't about protecting them, but being present to them in the storm. Jesus reminds them, we're going through this storm. You have what you need. Your faith at the depth of your core, the soul of who you are, is enough to get us through the storm. God protects us from nothing and is present in everything. Isn't that true in your life and mine? How many times have you prayed for something and it didn't happen? Prayed for somebody to get well and they didn't get well. Prayed for somebody not to die and they died. Prayed for a storm to move 
just far enough out of your way, but it came right at you. Good, true religion doesn't say God's going to protect us and bubble wrap us from the horrible, uh, difficult parts of life, the storms that are coming. Rather, God only promises to be present to us in the storm. God protects us from nothing and is present in everything. As I was thinking about this in my own life, you know, when I think about the storms, I've been in many, 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 many storms. I didn't feel the protection of God. I felt the presence of God. And as I reflect right now in 2022, I can surely say that God is present to me in the contemplative path of, of silence. When I pause, when all distractions are gone and I listen deeply, there's a sense of a peace that passes understanding that helps me through the storm. Or I think about how important it is, and we all know this through this COVID experience, about being outside, even when it's minus 39. To, to hear the crunch of your feet on the snow, to, to see the birds uh, trying to find seeds, to watch the, the flurry of a rabbit, to just be outside in creation when it's sunny and you feel even that bit of warmth from the sun, the sense of creation being God's body and the connection to the sacred, that matters. The other thing that grounds me during this time, got to tell you, is connection. It's a text I receive. It's an email I receive. It's a phone call I receive that in some way reminds me that we're connected, that I'm not forgotten, that we know each other, that we care for each other even amidst this storm. I had a text this week from a friend. Uh, it was at 4.47 a.m. She knows that I'd be awake. She writes these words, where are you? And how is your heart? Wherever you are, I hope you have that nudge of knowing that this is a shitstorm. Like all others, it'll pass. It will pass, and you will still be standing because deep down you are rooted in love and faith and Mother Nature's perfectly magical embrace. I got to tell you, that text really mattered when I found it early in the morning to remind me I'm loved and held in Mother Nature's embrace. So you see, this, this story of the storm tells us that not God's gonna magically erase storms in our life, but give us what we need to go through the storms in our life. And this then got me to the next piece of what I wanna share with you. And that was thinking about storms and how do animals approach storms. And something in the back of this brain of mine remembered this, and I Googled it up and I found out I was right. If there was a short title for the sermon, it would be this, don't be a cow. Don't be a cow, be a buffalo. Do you know that uh, these two animals, though related, approach storms differently? Cows, which are domesticated, if you will, when a storm comes, they they do one of, one of a few things. They either huddle together and lay down or they try to outrun the storm, pretending that they can beat the storm. So they actually are in their fear, embrace the storm in their fear. But a buffalo is completely opposite. A buffalo doesn't run from the storm. A buffalo runs right into the storm. Perhaps you've seen pictures of the buffalo when they put their head down and they march ever more fully forward. So often in life, we're a cow, we're fearful, we huddle together, we, we try to outrun instead of face with confidence and resilience the storm that we're stepping into. 
So as I was thinking about this, don't be a cow, be a buffalo, I thought to myself, I've got to understand this from an indigenous perspective. And I, and I called Tony Snow while well, I texted him at 7.45 on Tuesday morning, and he replied. And we had a half an hour conversation as we looked at what buffaloes were for the indigenous people. First off, he reminded me that the fact is that there are many different ways of being an indigenous community. And indigenous communities will have their own stories of sacredness, their own understanding about what uh, traditions and rituals and ceremonies matter. But he said, if I had to put one word on what a buffalo it is, it's about resilience. He said, the buffalo is resilient. He shared this beautiful story. He said to me, you know, the creation story of the South Dakota people is a creation story where, where living beings emerge from a cave. He says, in that tradition, in that uh, community, the first to emerge from a creation cave is a buffalo. He said, and then it is the human. First the buffalo, then the human. He said, so for that particular community, the buffalo is an elder brother. And they look to the buffalo to understand how they should live and move on the land. They should look at the wisdom about how that animal lives and breathes and moves. Tony said, in my com particular community, the Stony community, our story is that we emerge from a waterfall. Don't you love these different stories and mythologies that talk about how we came to being and what is important to us? What Tony reminded me and the whole colonization project was that the colonizers wanted to wipe the indigenous people away. And so they knew that the best way to do that was to take out the buffalo. And so they decimated thousands and thousands of buffaloes, almost making them extinct. Because for the indigenous people, the buffalo in every part of its body mattered. It was used for food and for clothing and for tools. It was essential to their livelihood. So you see this big brother, this, this buffalo was essential to the livelihood of the indigenous people. And it is that sense of importance and resilience that the indigenous people look to for the wisdom in their living. Tony reminded me that uh, white people and indigenous people look at animals differently often. And he writes in the text early that morning, animals have a spirit just as humans do. There's no difference between their right to exist and ours. Living in harmony means we consider them and the plants much as ourselves. Each thing, like a plant or animal, teaches us something about the world that they have learned. When we learn from them, we are, we are the younger sibling, partaking in their wisdom, which is given freely if we are paying attention. The indigenous community is waking us up to our connection to the plants and to the animals and to humans as we try to live together in harmony. What I love about this idea is the importance of the buffalo. And to be aware that so often in life, we choose to be a cow, to outrun, to be fearful, to have our head in the sand, to pretend and procrastinate when the indigenous story here of the buffalo says, no, turn and face the trouble, face the storm, face the conflict, face the COVID, face the grief. And when we step toward that storm, it'll be a shorter journey. We may be scarred along the way, but we will indeed get to the other side of the storm. You see, uh, God protects us from nothing and is a present to us in everything. 
You know, the Christian story about this, as well as the story of the stilling of the storm, is the story of the cross. And Jesus, I would say, was like a buffalo, and he walked to the cross unwilling to give in to greed and selfishness and hate and injustice, but rather stepping forward in love and compassion and justice to the cross, even meaning that he would be crucified, that he would die for what he believed. That's the gift of the buffalo for us. So I said a few weeks ago, you know, I'm moving into 2022 with um, WWTS. What would Ted say, Ted Lasso? But I also have a mantra that's going to be on my mind. It's going to be, don't be a cow, be a buffalo. Don't be a cow, be a buffalo. I believe when we trust that God doesn't protect us from the storm, so it invites us into the storm and present to us in the storm, we will descend to the courage, the strength, the resilience that we need to step into the storms we are all in right now. May God be with us as we do so. You know, right now I want to share with you as a close to this, my dad would say, you, you do a sermon, three points in a poem. I've given you three points, but here's the poem. And the poem is something I wrote. Uh, I didn't know it was a poem. Uh, Richard Osler from uh, Victoria sent it to me and said, you just wrote a poem. And I want to close with this poem that is, is about this phrase, we will. And that's the kind of phrase, we will, that is about a buffalo. We will step into the storm. We will step into the storm. Hear this poem that I'll share for you right now. In my New Year's letter out to folks, I, I reflected on what, what we're missing and the desire to be back together and the hope of the fact we will. And so here are the words that I wrote. We will. We will watch the Christ candle be lit again. We'll hear the bells chiming overhead. We will sing songs and hymns together again. We will hear the laughter of our children. We will hear the coo of the pigeons overhead in the sanctuary ceiling. We will hear the creaks of the floors as people walk about greeting each other. We will see the face of the person that we sat near at church when we shared our weekly services together and our stories, but didn't even know their name, we'll meet again. We'll hear the tipping of a coffee cup and the spilling of the mug and the rush to clean up the mess. We'll nap during the sermon and we'll slip our child a lifesaver. We'll wiggle on the hard, uncomfortable pews, glad to be uncomfortable again. We will cry at the moving stories so many will share. We will see baptismal water poured out on the heads of little ones and hands laid on their foreheads and crosses placed on their bodies. We will weep as we mourn for those who have died and gone before us. We will smile at the vows of couples joining hand in hand after their long-awaited wedding ceremony arrives. We will taste communion wafers and bread at the table. We will drink wine from the cup. Okay, grape juice. We will smile at the couple who snuggle in, nervous and afraid that they would be excluded and unwelcome, but they see out of the corner of their eye the affirming banner 
and they feel calm. We will hear news of loss, new births, sad deaths, and new discoveries. We will squint at the sun streaming through the stained glass windows. We will extend our hands of welcome to our homeless folks who will return and bring us their unexpected perspective of joy in the world. They will stretch our imagination. We will acknowledge Treaty 7 land and watch the sweet grass rise like our prayers. We will sign petitions. We will march in the streets. We will feed the hungry. We will house the refugee. We will stand with those who feel alone. We will dig deep into our souls to learn our own sacred story and share it with another. We will pass the Kleenex box to the person in front of us and hold each other with a hand. We will welcome people who have joined us in the past two years, yet never sat in our pews. We will welcome those online and from around the world with a true heartfelt welcome. We will laugh as we hear Anne call out, Happy Sunday, once again. And we will meet our new minister, Andrea Irwin, who arrives soon in minus 39 weather. She will inspire us and move among us in her own joyful, playful, and unique way. And then, and then finally, in the flesh, we will literally incarnate the birth of Christ in the flesh together in our bodies. We will. Yes, we will. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.